0: Rack'em up, Sally. I don't have all day.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of American Billiard Radio. It's January 6th, 2014... And my name is Mr. Bond. I will be your host for this evening. Got some congratulations to send out to uh, the winners at Derby City Classic. and Congratulations to Greg Sullivan, the uh, proprietor of that event, for hosting yet another great one. And, you know, my biggest congratulations go out to the participants and the people who showed up. You know, you guys probably made out the best. You got to see some really great pool, you got to participate in an event that will long go down in the history books as one of the best events in history. And uh, it's a really special time for you guys. So my hat's off to you. And uh, we do appreciate your participation and support in that event and keeping it going on. It's a uh, it's, it's very, very good thing. Speaking of history, it's been brought to my attention that uh, there's still a few humans left on the planet that have still not heard of the Chicago Billiard Museum. And I'd just like to let you know that uh, the Chicago Billiard Museum is a very special online archive of historical material based on the history of billiards in and around Chicago, and of course nationwide too. It's somewhat Chicago-centric because of Chicago's role in the industry and uh, in in the realm of tournaments and play. But uh, if you'd like to find out a little more, you know, about the history of the game, or why we are where we are and things of that nature, go ahead and check it out, chicagobilliardmuseum.org and uh, you just might learn something. Be careful. And You might just get stuck reading something for long periods of time, so if you're trying to avoid doing work, go there. (laughs) Get yourself some little reading time in. Anywho, don't want to get distracted. Got things to talk about today. Uh, I did a little interview with uh, Justin Collette of the Action Report, and we had a great conversation on and off the microphone. It was uh, really enjoyable. And I promised Justin that uh, I would not edit the recording to uh, do anything devious with it. But, uh, you know, I had to have a little fun. So uh, I took this little snippet for you guys to hear. Check this out.
2: You know, I'm probably the worst person in the
1: world. (laughs) I'm sorry, Justin. Just had to do that. That was too much fun. Uh, You'll hear that, actually, in the recording. He didn't say that uh, it wasn't like what you thought. But anyway, we had a great conversation, and uh, we talked about all kinds of cool stuff and uh, some of the current events going on uh, in the realm of pool streaming and uh, the current events as far as their next match. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and I really liked it. If uh, you guys want to stick around, you can hear what we had to say. How's the weather treating you down there in uh, in the Vegas Metroplex? It's
2: not bad. I was a little upset. Uh, I was uh, out shooting the other day and actually had to wear a jacket. Other than that, it's been good. It was, uh, it's was. been several times here lately I've been out in uh, shorts and a t-shirt and thinking to myself, you know, it's January 20th and it's
3: 65
2: degrees out here. It's pretty sweet, <laughs> but uh, it almost makes up for the summers.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. This is true. This is true. Well, I'd rather be there than here. That's that's for damn sure. It's uh, it's getting a little old after after, you know, 10 feet of snow and and 20 believe, uh, degrees below zero. It, it's I'm not just I'm not built for this kind of stuff, man. I'm telling you, I just gotta move somewhere else or something. Yep. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I don't miss it. <laughs> not even a little bit.
1: Now you guys got an exciting uh, rest of the month coming up here. Uh, Tar thirty nine is that correct?
2: Yes, Tar thirty nine. It's Efren uh, Reyes versus Shane Van Boening. Versus, uh, I'm talking in all around match, I should say, and they're playing a little different. Uh, they played once before. They played an all around match, and Shane won two to three, or I'm sorry, two to one of the three of the three sets. And right after that match, Ephraim said that he would play again. He'd like to play again. Um, he'd like to play the games we're going to play, which is one pocket rotation and nine ball. Okay. And that was last year. And uh, so that's always kind of been on the back burner. And it just never... Efrem's not in the country very much. And when he is, he's usually tied up. Right. So it, it does, it's hard to put things together, especially with Shane's schedule. And then... Um, Brooke Thompson uh, texted me and said that Ephraim's going to be available, and he wanted to play. And so is there something we could put together? Right,
1: right. And, now, do you guys uh, have a translator? I mean, I, I know that might be a dumbass question, but uh, how Ephraim
2: are... <laughs> speaks really good English. Does he? Okay. Better than—I like, don't know if you've ever if you've never seen it. We did a podcast with Shane and Ephraim before the last match, Mm -hmm. and going into that, I was kind of sweating it because I didn't know, you know, how much, how well it would work. I didn't know how well Efren spoke or understood English. He's awesome. I mean, the guy's, he's great. Um, And that podcast is up on our YouTube channel. If anybody hasn't seen it, should really check it out. Because one of the neat dynamics, usually what happens is the players get in here excuse me and mark griffin or i will end up asking questions and things like that yeah but it turned into shane asking
1: (laughs) questions hey nothing Uh, wrong with that
2: yeah he really wanted to you know pick efran's brain so that's actually one of the coolest things i've done with Tar was that podcast with efran and shane um you know efran's just awesome i mean i'm I'm a full. I'm a Mark reference.
1: Well, Just that's what I was going to ask you about that too. Is uh I think I would probably be, you know, the rock star struck, you know, sign my shoe kind of thing with him. How does that make you feel? You got two of the best players, literally two of the best players in the world at this point. Uh I mean, it's got to be exciting to be a to be it a is, part of that. It is,
2: uh- yeah, so far we've had a great run. Uh, we just had Darren Appleton this year in 2014. We just had Darren Appleton and uh, Dennis Rocco play a match. The pinball actually went hill-hill, which was crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And then now we got Shane and Efren. And, you know, Efren to me is just, he's the man. And yeah. so anytime, you know, I'm able to see him play or just, you know, be around him, I, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, I'm not very starstruck anymore because I've worked with, you know, all the top guys and I can actually be, you know, sometimes I can be kind of hard on certain guys if they don't act the way I think they're supposed to act. (laughs) But, um, with Efren, it's just, he's a hundred percent class act. You know, I've seen some guys where. They'll put on an act if they think somebody's watching, and then,
1: right? You right. know, other
2: times you're kind of like, "Man, this guy, why would he do that?" But Efren's nothing like that,
1: you know, and neither is
2: Shane. Yeah. So together, in my opinion, they're the best the game has to offer. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm always excited to work with either one of them, and when I can get them both together, it's that's my favorite time. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm and looking forward to. We always see
2: see some good stuff too. So it's yeah. gonna be great.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so. I can't wait, man. I'm really excited about it, too. It's uh, those well, The guys. other
2: cool thing we're going to do is Efren picked uh, his, his games. He picked the games. Yeah. He uh, wanted to race to uh, one pocket, and he wants a long race, which is a race to 11, uh, which is a long race in one pocket. Yeah. Um, and then he wants to play rotation, Philippine rules, which is uh, – I'll be honest with you, I don't know that much about it. I know that they play 15, you know, you rack 15 balls, mm-hmm. you run them in order, and uh Karen combinations, all that stuff are on, you have to hit the lowest ball on the table, mm-hmm. um, and then you play the 61 points. Oh. There's 120 possible points you play to 61. Right, right, right. And, and that's a game, and they're going to play that race to 20. They're going to okay. play that on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I, I've never seen... The only guy I've ever seen play it, American, was at the U.S. Open years ago. Uh, I saw Corey <laughs> Duhal match up with somebody. I forget what Filipino he was playing. But uh, other than that, I've never really seen that game, and I've certainly never seen Efren play it. Right. So that's going to be really cool on Saturday night. It's uh,
3: yeah, And yeah. then the
2: one pocket, the last one pocket set they played was out of this world. The first half. Bobby Cotton swears up and down the first half of the last one-pocket match is the best one-pocket he's ever seen you know, <laughs> yeah. from anyone. So, yeah.
3: and
2: you know Shane's playing great right now. Both of them just coming off a great Derby win. Yeah. Uh, Efren won the one-pocket for the hundredth time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Shane won both rotation events. He won the, the Bigfoot and he won the nine-ball. So they're both coming in strong. Uh, it's going to be a great. It's going to be a great show.
1: Uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm actually a fan of the rotation game too, believe it or not. It's uh, I don't know. There's something that's old school about it. it I, I just I, I dig it. I really do. Let me take a quick break, real quick, and uh, when we come back, I will uh, get your opinions on uh, the the streaming situation as it's unfolding in uh, the United States right now. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back after this. Okay, okay. You know, Justin, um, there seems to be an awful lot, well, let me just put it this way, there's an awful lot of more of streams and pay-per-view events than there used to be just a couple of years ago. Um, you know, one person might look at it and say, hey, this is nice, we've got more coverage. The other person might say, yeah, but this is distracting, it's diluting the market, now certain people and other people, other certain people can make money. Some people can't make money. What, uh, you know, what's the determining factor here? Is this good or bad? What, how do you feel about that?
2: You know, I guess, uh, you know, I, you know, ideally you would say that it's great because, you know, any anytime there's competition, that, that means there's options and that, and that's ultimately probably how it will shake out. Um, but at the same time, um, it's such a small industry. Um, my pet peeve really is with the, the latest pay per view craze. And that is that, you know, every, people are trying to pay per view stuff that I just don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, matches that don't even make sense uh, between, but, you know, more power to them, I guess. But where my issue comes in is uh, quality of service. Mm-hmm. And that is the fact that when people do bad pay-per-views, which um, there's been a lot of them, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong, I've had my share of issues. But, you know, the key is how you handle those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you just tell people to go pound sand, that's going to turn them off to everything. Mm-hmm. You know? and so if you have a bad pay-per-view, take care of your customers. Um, and I just want to say up front, I'm not talking about because the most recent issue with the stream in the stream was Accustats had some problems at the end of the Derby stream. I'm not talking about that mm-hmm. because you know Accustats has got a long proven history of you know excellence. In my opinion, they're the best in the business. They're the industry standard, have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm talking about is some of the other streams where well, I mean, I'll just say it like the Effran. And uh, Earl Match, you know, it was a disaster. Right.
3: Um,
2: the, the bonus ball pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
3: know? Yeah.
2: When they did it, it was a disaster. They took, you know, they took a hundred and some dollars for some people for a season. Yeah. As far as I know, they haven't refunded them. Right. So, you know, when that kind of thing is going on, it's so hard to get a new customer in, in this industry, and in the pay-per-view streaming industry, no matter what match you're putting on. So if you do get a new guy to sign up, and his first experience is terrible, and the provider doesn't take care of him and make him feel, you know, at least like he didn't get screwed,
1: right, right,
2: that guy's not going to come back. No, and that hurts everyone. You know, it hurts the people that are that are doing it right. Absolutely. And I realize there's no way to legislate it or control it or, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it. But just from, you know, where I sit, you know, it's annoying. I mean, it's, you look at this and you're like, man, these guys are going to screw that up. Right. And sure enough, they screw it up. And then, you know, the forum blows up about it. And, and so now whenever somebody, you know, is looking around, they see anything with a pay-per-view stream, they see this negativity. Right. Um, It's just not good for everyone.
1: No, Uh, no, I think you're, you're right because... For more than one reason, you're right. For more reasons than I think that you're even understanding at this point, and and it's the skepticism. the The industry is is fraught with skepticism as it is because of all the mm-hmm. crap that's gone down in the past, and this is just one more reason on top of that, where it's like, oh yeah, great, you know, now I'm going to pay for this, and it may or may not work, you know. Uh, right. I, well,
2: I, I mean, not only that, but it's so hard to get someone to buy something on the internet. Right. I don't care what it is.
1: No, you're right.
3: Uh,
2: Louis Elric said it better than I could ever say it. He said, if I'm walking down the street and I drop a $10 bill in a mud puddle, I might not even pick it up. But if I'm going to watch something, if, if something's online and they want me to buy it, I really got to want to buy that. Yeah. Because it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, You know, I got to register. I got to, you know, Absolutely. do my credit card or I got to do the PayPal and then I got to access it and all this stuff. Yep. So... It's, you know, you have to overcome that hurdle. So when you do overcome that hurdle with new buyers and then the product is bad and what's even worse, because everyone has problems. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, I'm not knocking that. Everyone has problems. I've had more than my share. But the difference is, and and the important part is how you handle those problems. Yeah. And if you take care of your customers and if, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've refunded people. When I know they were scamming me. Yeah. You know, I know they watched it. And yeah. no one else is having a problem, but they say they had a problem. Yeah. I don't say anything. Yeah. No. know, that, that's always been our policy. No matter what. If you have a problem, if you don't like it, contact me, I'll give you your money back. Right. And I know I get got on that every event. But that policy has also, you know, saved me a customer base and, and, and it, it buys me goodwill when things, you know, do go wrong. whether in my control or outside of my control you know people are very understanding once they understand that you know this ain't some five by nine operation just trying to get money you know and i think if the whole industry was like that uh it it would be a lot better
1: well you you also touched on something that's important and that is the the gathering of new customers and you know the one of the problems, or at least one of the potential problems, if it's not already a problem, with adding more streamers and more events, it's not necessarily that the coverage of more pool. It's that you guys are now um, you're competing in a way for the same group of people that are fans of pool at all, and what what the whole group of you needs is to start attracting uh, people that are are either a have never been a fan of it before or that have never bothered to pay for a stream or pay for an event so the expansion into new you know new customers new ground that's going to be important more important as the time goes along and just like you said if 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 the word on the street is it may or may this stream may or may not work for you when you pay for it that's bad that's a bad thing that's going to prevent anybody from getting new customers
2: Right, and the other thing is that a lot of people, you know, they're not familiar. The newer people, the people we're after, then they may not know the difference between tar and Accustats and some of the others.
3: Right, right. You know,
2: they just know it's a pool stream. Yeah. So uh, it's, you know, that, that's when it gets murky as well. Um, I'm not against competition. I'm all for competition because I think my product is, you know, is up there. I got no problem putting my product against anyone else's, um, and if, I think if, if, if it's direct competition, I think it's going to help me. Right. But the way it works now, it, it's just you know I don't we don't do enough events because our events, and, and that's another thing is we produce events. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't piggyback on events. Right. Um, you know, a lot of tournament, a lot of streamers. Basically, outside of AccuStats, and I guess Big Truck's done a few, um, though I don't think he puts up guaranteed money. But, um, you know, you've got people now trying to come on and do these matches. But, you know, I know for a fact that they're not paying what they say they are, some of them. Right. Um, they'll bill a match that's being played for X number of dollars, and then you talk to the guy you played in, it, and he goes, Oh, no, we got 700 bucks." Yeah. Um, you know, and just that kind of thing, it's, you know, uh, once again, I, I guess there's really nothing you can do about it, uh, but it's just from from my point of view, you know, as someone who produces these matches and has put the time and the effort in to try to raise the bar, um, it can be a little frustrating. Yeah. But,
1: uh... Well, here's, here's my next yeah, question it, for it, you. Yeah. It, I, well, I, I hear what you're, what you're saying, and 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 this is why I, I, it leads me to this next question. Uh, as we were talking about just before this interview, the inter, the industry in, in general, and specifically this this new type of presentation, whether it be pay per view, streaming for free, or whatever it is. However, what however it comes across, it, you know, we're all in this weird transitional phase the the music business went through it a few years back when everything went digital excuse me and the cd sales you know (laughs) fell through the floor and everybody was in limbo for a while trying to figure out where to put their attention and where to put their money to be ready for this revolution that occurred and of course now it's sort of leveled out and you've got some reliable places like itunes and what have you where it's all legit and you don't have to worry about file sharing and music stealing and blah, blah, blah. But like I said, we're in this weird transitional phase now where the, the pool industry is going digital, so to speak. And it's this weird, uh, <clears throat> for lack of a better term, puberty, where <laughs> nobody seems to know which way to go or, or which way to throw their uh, affection because of you got so many choices. But I think what's going to happen, at least what you would suspect... What happened is that it would all sort of level out in the end, and there will become some reliable sources that will stand alone, and then the rest of them will kind of fade into the into the past. What do you think? If you had your magic crystal ball, what do you think is eventually going to happen here? Is it going to be, you know, the Tars and the Accustats of the world, or do you think that uh, uh, another mainstream company, like say ESPN or somebody, will come back into this? Or you know what? Where is it going? Where are we headed with this? I mean, we got to cover the matches. They're going to get covered.
2: Well, part of it is a really good thing because it, you know, the more stuff that's out there, you know, the arguments made, the more stuff that's out there, the better. And I agree, you know, it, it is good. Um, the more things can be seen. Right. Um, but you know, you said it right now. It is. I think it's adolescence, and there's going to be a lot of shaking out. Um, I don't know. So I don't know where we're at. I'm as confused as anybody, man. I just, I'm, I'm, it's, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. And I think, you know, your, you know, your, your mention of the music business, uh, I think is apt. But what worries me is if it is like that, then it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Positive things I've seen lately that have given me hope for the industry, and that is was last year when 80 Billiards uh, revamped their website, mm-hmm. their new page. And if you if you go and you look at a lot of people, I don't think have really dug into that yet. But if you go and you look, and once you understand how it works, and you get into that, and you start, you can look through the history and the repository of information there. Yeah, um, it's amazing, and a big part of that is uh, J.P. Parmenter, who does the photos for AZ, a lot of them, right? As well as he was instrumental in that website, and him and his partner put years into that. And to me, that's that's a big, that's a huge thing, because that gives people. We all talk about we got to get people from outside the industry in, and that's mm-hmm. whether that's a fan, or if you're trying to get sponsorship. But you know. Well, the work they did on that website. If somebody asks me that doesn't know anything about pool, I can show them that site, and it makes me proud of the industry. Right. I can say, look, you know, this. Check this out for pool. This is this and this, and it looks professional. You know, the photos are great. Um, it, it's, you know, to me that that's huge. Uh, the other one is something, and it just happened recently, and it really excites me, and I think it's a Something that, that is a real positive sign is that Matchroom named uh, Mark Wilson as the captain of the Moscone Cup.
3: Yeah. And they
2: did it soon enough. I mean, you know, what, a month after the Cup? And they did that for a particular reason, and that was to allow him time to build a team. And it also was a commitment from them saying, you know what, we want to change. You know, we don't want the product that we had last time. Yeah, and you know, and Mark Wilson did an interview with A.D. Boyers, and they, he said he nailed it, man. He said right now American fans are not proud of the product. Yeah. You know, they're not. They don't. They're not happy about it. You know, and he wants to change that, and with with new talent and the, you know the new generation of players, and to me that's a positive sign. That's that's you know just that aspect, and not only the match room was forward thinking enough to do that and, and kind of make a statement without saying it. Mm-hmm. But the fact, the reaction to it from all the, the pool fans has yeah. been so positive. Right. Saying this is awesome. This is what we want, you know, mm-hmm. and I've said for a long time, this industry is sorely lacking in leaders. We don't have any, right? you know, and, and I, and I know why that is, it's because it's so tough. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, but, you know, people, players, fans, I think everybody wants some leadership, and they want something they can get behind and feel good about, you know, and exactly. not just, you know, after something happens, it's, you know, everybody complaining for two weeks. Right. You know, people want to feel good about it, and they want to feel, feel like they're a part of something positive. So, you know, to me, things like that are a really good sign, yeah. and uh, yeah. I hope it continues.
1: I agree. Because, I totally agree.
3: You know, yeah,
2: we got a lot of baggage. You know, I'm talking about the pro game.
1: Yeah, you know, it's just,
2: and and I, I really believe that I know some of the younger generation players, and I think that you know it may take ten or fifteen years.
1: Well, but, you know, you just you know, hit, I, hit on a, a good a point there about the younger generation. Um, I have a little confession for the listeners out there. I went to, uh, I wanted to get Landon Shuffett on the program. And so I called up uh, his dad and was talking to him about it. And I said, hey, you know, I, I would like to talk about uh, uh, the future of pool and, uh, and get some insight from a younger person's perspective. And uh, he very politely, explained that, uh, obviously Landon's involved with college and, uh, Landon, if you're listening, he didn't say anything bad about you, bro. <laughs> he said nothing. <laughs> he said nothing but good things. But the point is though, he said, you know, I don't think that Landon's the future of pool because the future of pool has nothing to offer him. And I, yep. you know, and I said, you just hit the nail on the head. And my argument, my only argument that I could make was, okay, well, maybe the industry needs to hear that, you know, somebody needs to tell them, the kids need to point this out. Look, man, I'd like to become the next pro, but what do you have to offer me? So there is a, you know, like you said, it's a mess, but it's a deeper mess than I, than some people even realize, you know, if, if there's nobody even wants to get involved in pro pool, then, you know what. What could we possibly do to attract them to rebuild the game, you know, to begin with? So there's some um, some core things missing that uh, are going to need to be addressed, no matter how you slice it, really.
2: You know, I'm probably the worst person in the world, you know, to, to kind of make an opinion on that, because I'm kind of, I'm not on the outside looking in. Right, you know, right. I'm I'm biased by my experiences. Mm-hmm. So... But I agree 100% with what you were saying about if you can't offer somebody a future, why would they want to be a part of it? And that might be the biggest problem facing this game in the country today.
1: Right.
3: right and to prove
2: right. the point, you go look at the Derby or the U.S. Open, and you look in the crowd and tell me how many people under 30 you see in that crowd, mm-hmm. let alone people in their early 20s, teenagers.
1: Right, right. Right.
2: Um, The other thing, you know, you look at the promoters in this game. Is there a promoter under 40?
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Nope.
2: You know, I mean, is there a term the promoter under 50?
1: Right, right. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, just a second ago the pursuit of excellence. And I think that... mm -hmm that's one of the things that it does have going for it. And and that's why when I hear people talking about pools dead and uh, it's going to go away and, and na-na-na-na-na, I, I mean, I, I get why they're saying that, but here's my argument for that. It will never go away because as long no. as there are sticks and balls, somebody is going to want to be the best at it. I mean, there are no. people that argue over being the best, you know, Ping pong player and the best. I mean, there's a one people want to be the best at whatever it is, it doesn't even matter, so it's not going away. It's there's always going to be people competing with people and people playing pool against other people. It's just a matter of, uh, obviously how profitable it can be for anybody to let the world see that. And as we both were talking about, whether or not we attract the kids and the up and coming generation into it. Which is, um, to be honest with you, that's where a lot of this expendable income is going to come from. You know, it's the kids that want to blow their cash on something.
2: Absolutely. And uh, it's, you know, I don't, one one other cool thing I saw last year, um, the juniors were at the Nationals. And, uh, you know, that was cool to see those guys in there. Mm-hmm. Playing on the tables and things. And, and, you know, Shane and Mika and some of the other pros really did a good job of, uh, you know, going down and talking to him, and kind of trying to show him things, you know. And everybody thinks I'm a Shane Homer anyway, which I am. <laughs> you know, he's a good friend of mine. But at the same time, you know, he was down there when he didn't have to be. Yeah. You know, he, he went out of his way. Yeah. And that's. You know, I've heard some players say, "Well, you know, Shane gets all these opportunities, or oh, you only push Shane, or, or blah blah blah." And I just kind of want to grab them and shake them. Yeah. And say,
1: "Well, that's why." Do
2: the same shit he does, and you'll get the same opportunities.
1: Right. Right. You know.
2: And here's the thing: the younger guys, a lot of them get it. You know.
1: Yeah. You get
2: a guy like you know, I'm I'm really pumped on the younger generation of players. Yeah, me too. And that's not to say I'm totally down on the older generation, because they're who I was. That's who I came up watching. Right. So, um, but to me, the future, you know, Shane, guys like John Moore, Oscar Dominguez, you know, Landon, if he wants to be a part of it, which I would understand, you know. and, And the thing is, with a guy like Landon, you know, he doesn't have to be out here grinding every week to be a part of it. Oh, no. You know, a perfect, perfect example of that is a guy like Donnie Mills. Yeah. You know, Donnie Mills, you know, owns a successful business. You know, he lives his life. He comes out and plays a couple tournaments a year. And he, he can, you know, he took third at the Open one year. And, I mean, the guy, he can beat anyone. Right. Anyone on earth on any given day. He's got the skill to do it. And, you know, and he's not living in his car trying to make $500 out of trains. Yeah. So, you know, it's very possible. And, you know, a guy like Donnie, you know, he's who you want at your event. Mm -hmm. Same with a guy like Landon or Brain or uh, um, Oscar, you know, Jesse Engel, you know, those kind of guys. To me, it's, I'm glad that, you know, we've got these guys coming up and I think it's starting to be their time. And, with the thing with what matrim has done could be the catalyst to really kickstart that.
1: You know what? Uh, you're so right. You're right. And I, I mentioned it on uh, one of the previous programs and, and I probably presented it from an extreme point of view, but the point remains the same that you need a reason to be interested or you need a reason mm-hmm. to get behind a particular player or a particular team, and uh, in the case with uh, uh, you know Team USA, um, you know the way I feel anyway is win or lose, we will be a whole lot more proud of them because uh, I get the feeling like Mark is going to make a difference, not only in the way that they physically uh, present themselves, but the way that they feel about it. So oh. this is I. Like you said, it's a good thing what's going on with Mark and in this in this uh, change, uh, changing of the guard, so to speak, because uh, you know, if not for any other reason, named, you know, we can be proud of it.
2: Right, and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about it is when they named Mark, I mean, I've known Mark for years. Um, I actually took a, a class with him, God, 04, 05, 06, something like that. Um, and he's, you know, I've got... The utmost respect for Mark. My concern when they named him was if they would try to pair Mark with some of the older players. Yeah. That wouldn't buy in to what you know the way he does things. I thought it would be bad. Yeah. But now that I've you know see and it's you know it's out there that they are committed and that Mark is the guy who's going to basically pick his team. Yeah. Um, you know. To me, that's unbelievable. I think it's awesome, yeah. and to me, it just shows tremendous foresight from Matchroom, and it shows that they're dead serious mm-hmm. about putting a better product on, right. and that they're willing to take chances to do that. Because, you know, it's you know at the same time, how big a chance are they really taking? You know, eleven to two. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean
1: yeah. You know, you can't get much worse than that. And
2: pretty much. And some people say. You know, the Moscone, you know, and it is a show, but at the same time, it's, you know, and I, I'm, I'll am i be the first one to tell you, I don't think it's real pool, but it is pool.
3: Yeah. And
2: it's, you know, and, and it is, and most important is it's the most unifying or divisive thing, depending on how you view it.
1: Yeah.
2: But it's the thing people pay attention to. Yeah. You know, yeah. and.
1: Absolutely. I, so. Absolutely. happy about that me too and I think uh that if well, and I'll put it to you this way I, I'm and I may be wrong because it's happened once before, but <laughs> I may be wrong, <laughs> but I get the feeling like with the way that this is developing and this whole team selection process I am I, I firmly believe that this coming moscone Cup Will have more attention paid to it mm-hmm. than any one any one event in the past, because there will be that many people stoked, completely stoked about this event.
2: That's a good thing. So I, you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic for uh, the future. In some ways, it's just I'm not sure how rough it's going to be to get
3: somewhere different. Yeah, you know, that's to be seen.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think uh, there's um, a lot of uh, unknowns still, you know, and uh, I mean, you're right. We've got some, some great changes have happened. Um, will it be enough? You know, I guess only time will tell, that kind of thing. So uh, we'll just have to see how it goes and uh, uh, keep our chins up in the process. I uh, do appreciate you taking the time just to talk to us. uh, I'm looking forward to Tar and uh, you guys keep up the good work and uh, we will uh, talk to you again pretty soon I'm sure
2: thank you very much for the opportunity Uh, good luck with your guys show and uh, anything I can ever do to help just let me know
1: All right, bud everybody uh, we will uh, see you again next week
4: I'm Scott Lee, PBIA Master Instructor from Largo, Florida. And I'm Randy Gettlacher, PBIA
5: Master Instructor from
4: Dallas, Texas. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. Today's topic is the value of video analysis to a oh. student, Randy. Tell us a little bit about that.
5: Well, I think years ago, and, and I still see other instructors do it, they'll watch a student for a, a particular period of time, so, so many shots, and then try to explain to a student what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong. I always feel that it's more um, promising to let the student see it. And and the, the instructor and the student sit through a video review and they can together point out the good and the bad and why this happens and why this doesn't. So just a video analysis, I think the student has to be deeply involved in that analysis. I
4: agree. I mean, the, the first thing is that we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we do as pool players. We just get out there and do it. And so most of us have never even seen ourselves playing pool. So we really don't know what is involved in how we set up and deliver the cue stick. And that's uh, to me a critical element in uh, helping the student to figure out for themselves what is their best case scenario in how to set up and deliver their cue accurately and repeatedly.
5: So, there's a. Uh, do you still use the 10 point system in video analysis, Scott? I do. Uh, and can you just name a couple of those as we go down? Well, what do you look at first?
4: Well, first we want to find out if they have any kind of a repeatable process or not, or are they doing things inconsistently based on the shot at hand? which we find to be very prevalent with
5: a and lot th- and of players. And then are you looking for this SPF in there?
4: Absolutely looking for the SPF variables to see whether or not they stop their cue and how they transition from one stop to another.
5: And how about their their uh, uh, level cue or on-level bias cue? Is, is that important?
4: Absolutely. Level cue is very important when we strike the ball. But it's the only time that it's important, and it lasts for about a thousandth of a second. So having a level cue all the way from the backswing through the uh, the finish is uh, first of all not possible with a pendulum swing and not practical at any rate.
5: Do you do any written report then with them?
4: Absolutely, I do a written report and show them uh, uh, the things again pat them on the back for the things that they are doing well and point out the things that uh, have a potential for inconsistency. Scold them, huh? Well I, I don't like to use words like right or wrong, good or bad because uh, the number one rule in pool is if you make the ball, you get to go again. But there are certain practices that we teach that represent an easier and more repeatable way to set up and deliver the cue.
5: Yeah, I think we teach KISS, right?
4: We do teach Keep KISS. Keep it simple and, and make it consistent. Amen. So what's next week? Well, next week we're going to get uh, into talking about uh, why we use self-talk or a mantra.
5: Oh, not many people know about that. Well, hey, here's... Ma- Don't miss this one next week. I'm Randy G. And I'm Scott Lee, and this
4: has been the One Minute Pool Instructor.
0: I'm your host, Allison Fisher of nycgrind.com, and joining me this week is WPBA Touring Pro Emily Duddy.
6: Hi, everyone. Allison, thanks for having me, and a pleasure to be on the radio today. Awesome. Well, we're coming to you from
0: Amsterdam Billiards here in New York City, which is the homeroom for both Emily and I. And... Let's um let's talk about 2014. How's the year started off for you?
6: Um, it's actually starting off exciting. I leave uh, for Mount Pleasant, Michigan tomorrow to play in the WPBA Masters. It's our first um, and unfortunately our only official uh, event that is booked. But there are other events in the works, and we're we're optimistic. Um, but it's very exciting to. It's been a it's been a break from the women's tour. Um, for me, I went to the Philippines in October for the World Ten Ball Championships. Before that, we didn't, we didn't have anything until the Ultimate Ten Ball Championships that were this last summer in June. So it's been a little bit more of a break um, for myself and a lot of the other women professionals than we're mm-hmm. used to. Um, you know, once, even after I got on the tour in 2010, we were averaging a little bit more events. So, all the girls I know are very excited, there's 48 of us in the field. Um, and I've just been gearing up. I've been really preparing preparing um, as hard as I can. Uh, practice, my yoga, kickboxing. Really, I've been working with my coach, um, my, one of my pool coaches, and just really focused. Um, it's interesting not having a lot of events scheduled, technically. Mm-hmm. because it kind of it's just it's kind of puts a little bit more pressure on the few, you know, the few that we definitely have. Because, you know, you kind of the ranking points and everything, you you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, it's very exciting, but it's very nerve-wracking for I know I'm for myself and a lot of the players, I assume.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's you almost have to put all of your energy into so so much fewer events that like
6: that can be definitely a pressure factor. Um, what is exciting, you know, after after I get back from um, from Michigan, there is the Super Billiards Expo. Yes. You know, which is coming up March 13th here in Edison and um, Edison, New Jersey, which is, you know, so close to this area and that's exciting. I get to I get to drive for it, which is rare. And I don't have to yeah. pack a bag or jump on a plane. And they're having a women's event and a men's event, so that's exciting. That you know it's going to happen right after. Um, for me, I I'm just trying not to to stay out of competition. So I'm trying to focus on what competitions can I get in. If I don't have women's events on the on the books, then let me get in the men's events. You know, so for me, I'm going to try and play in Turning Stone. I'm going to be playing in um, the men's US Open if there isn't a women's US Open on the books. Uh, I'm definitely hitting Vegas in July for the Nationals. Uh, All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm going to play. Um, this last year, I took seventh in the Masters. So I'm going to go back and play in the Masters and play in the Scotch Devils um, with my boyfriend, Brian Marshall. And uh, I'm excited about that too. So I'm just trying to focus on what I have to compete in. I do feel very lucky, though, being in the New York area and having all the tours that we have. Yeah, know? there's
0: a lot of opportunities for players to stay in action here in New York with a part of their tour and the, and the Tri-State tour as well. And then the Meds tour is also uh, here and not far Yeah, away. definitely. And, <laughs> and, um, yeah,
6: and, the, and the Josh is here and there, and it's, it's wonderful. So um, I just want to, you know, I want to say thank you Um, I've got recently in the last six months gotten some great new sponsors Um, Gary Borge Dental out of uh, out of California black heart tips and Q pod and all of them have been um, supporting me and it's been a wonderful um, transition for me as a player to really go into events and uh, have expenses a lot of expenses taken care of and be able to focus on preparing more and not um, not kind of grinding through a full a full time work week right before I have major events. Yeah, it's it's um, it's been very nice to experience that.
0: That's fantastic. I know that that's something that a lot of players are not able to break out of that having that having that uh, stress factor in working full-time obviously you do work full-time as well so I just have a tremendous amount of respect for the players like you other players that stay dedicated to both their own uh, pool careers and what they do outside of pool.
6: Thank you no I it's um it's much appreciated it's very, it's a it's a stressful life of juggling and balancing, and it's exciting. Um, it can be exhausting. It's very much, you know, um, I'm I'm also lucky in that I am a catering manager um, for you know for a large company here in NYC, and I kind of make my own schedule. So with that comes I work you know I work overtime hours for weeks at a time, and then I'll take time off for tournaments and you know try and gear up before. I only work nights, and it's flexible. But I do, um, I just, I'm constantly, constantly going. (laughs) I don't see any other way. You know, I really, I love everything. I love, it's all about the pool, though. And right now I have, um, I have faith that pool has a lot of momentum right now. You know, a lot of people, I I I hear varied things, you know, from, um, you know, a lot of people believe that or see things. And other people are cynical still. And I'm, you know, I have just complete faith in, you know, in a, in a good thing. I think that pool has so much potential and so many wonderful people and characters and mm-hmm. so many people that are really putting the time and effort and energy into building this industry without a lot of return. And I do, yeah. I am I, I, convinced, you know, that in my lifetime, I'm 30, <laughs> that, oh that we will see um, you know, some rewards financially and also in the mainstream, um, you know, so I, I look at it as an investment. I, I look at it as an investment and I am excited every day, you know, to, to give my all to, to something I believe so much in.
0: Yeah, I can't agree with you more. I feel like just more and more there are people that are becoming more dedicated, stepping up and through my work networking on uh, social media and on the Internet, there's just always more and more people that are kind of getting more interested in building um, a rela- bigger relationship with the sport and trying to get more involved. And I think that there's definitely a push in the right direction. And actually, I, uh, I wrote a piece on NYC Grind yesterday about how uh, CNN featured, uh, did a feature on pool that incorporated the Derby City Classic, incorporated uh, actually a list of pool room etiquette. R.A. Dyer from uh, BilliardHistory.com, who's written a number of acclaimed uh, pool history books, was featured in the article, as well as uh, Ed Ladawi from Sandcastle Billiards. And they were just... Telling it like it is and explaining that pool is not all about the seedy, um, the seediness that it's been associated with, and sort of exploring these other varied
6: dimensions of the sport. So, yeah, just I seeing. Actually, I actually happened to stumble on that article. You mentioned it, yeah. and it's fantastic. No CNN. I love that yeah. article. I really, really like that article. The,
0: the title is a little bit less. <laughs> desirable, I agree. <laughs> but it's an attention
6: grabber, so I can. Yeah, the article I can't itself them has for that. so much great context, like you said, and it really, yeah. um, it really breaks it down. That you know we are in a new day and age of pool and pool halls. We're in between two worlds in a way. We're in Absolutely. between generations you know and it's um right now it's about it's about finding that balance coming together really like promoting and appreciating the new breed of pool player that is that is really coming to be and and understanding um you know i i i feel like you know people you know once they you start watching the younger players of course we we will always respect and love our legends and the names of this game but there are so many um there's so much amazing new talent that is athletic and aggressive and fun to watch and has a great great personalities, yeah. you know, and that's what I really think it's about the youth right now, you know, people that, um, the the children of this country and the and just the average American can really you know gravitate towards and get behind and be really excited about and might inspire them to start playing. Yeah, so, there are so
0: many awesome stories about people that have. Uh, really come from so many varying backgrounds to achieve great things in pool or even just uh, tell their own personal story and how they evolved as a player and there's I think there's so many opportunities for young people and great programs the BEF yeah and uh, many other many other opportunities I think they're they're just growing and the more that people focus on these uh, positive aspects of what's happening in our industry I think those are the things that we need to be putting our energy towards there's a there's a lot of people that focus too much on the negative and focus too much on um, naysaying and I don't think that is really very productive so I think that if people people really do say, you know, there's a lot going on. We've got a lot going for us. It's going to be tough, and we're certainly not uh, at the end of our battle by any means. So yeah. I think that as long as people have the right attitude and the right priorities in mind, like you said, eventually good things will come. Yeah,
6: I agree. And I, I see this as a, you know, as as a very exciting kind of beginning. I mean, you have to compare um, other, like, the, the time of, of history of other sports in, in, involved in their mainstream. Mm-hmm. If you look at golf and if you look at tennis and you look at these sports that are now mainstream that are making a lot of money, we are behind them, you know, because we were so, we were in the CD pool halls, we were connected to a lot of gambling, we were in a, in a different category for a long time yeah. because of the smoke and the drinking and, and all these things, and, um, you know, we're just starting to emerge from that. You know, so we can't expect to snap our fingers and like automatically be a part of the mainstream. It has to slowly, ha- slowly, gradually happen. And I know, you know, um, as a player, you know, as a woman, as a woman's professional that is growing um, a fan base and working on myself and, you know, trying to become more recognizable to average Americans that aren't cool fans, you know, I know that I've been approached by, so many outside sources of media and interest and it's very exciting you know from you know a variety of producers to marketing companies to different things you know and like slowly but surely I'm I have a lot of exciting projects in the works uh you know it's it's all very very uh, for me it's not exciting so much for as me personally as it is for pool as a whole you know I really do think that the more interest that people have in me as a pool player, that it means you know other other pool players are getting an approach, and it means that us as a as a whole is getting going to get more recognition. Absolutely. So, I think it's very exciting right now, and you know, I mean, you and I are naturally positive people, but I feel like our energy can be contagious. So yeah, we're gonna <laughs>
0: yeah, I going think that, that the more that that people speak their minds and make it be known that we believe that something better can happen that it can be contagious and um, keeping the positive forward momentum is is very important like you said just look like even if it's one person that one person can spread uh, a whole wave of influence for example Um, Some of you may be familiar with Sergio Rivas, he's a a very young player who won the Nationals Juniors 14 and under division, who is now, uh, he finished something in like the top 20 of the Derby City Classic in the nine ball division. And he's very, very talented. I had uh, journalists from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reach out to me via email. As an authority to give him perspective on his piece about Sergio, so I know that more and more, in like this piece on CNN, and you know, slowly, the radar is expanding for Pool, and it's these these things. We can be connectors Mm -hmm. between the people in the know and the people that are not in the know. I think that um, gradually.
6: Yeah. And I think, Things you know, for um, for those expand. people listening, you know, you might be thinking, well, you know, what kind of impact can you have? And and, and honestly, all of us, are, if we're all in this together. We really are. If you're mm-hmm. a pool fan and you love pool or you're a player or you're a league owner or an operator or a competitor, everybody or just a fan, you know, this is all about just us all pitching in together. Mm-hmm. Like w- Every little bit helps, you know, like going online, liking your favorite players' pages, liking your favorite, you know, American Billiard Radio, NYC Grind, oh. liking your favorite, um, cool Dog is a great um, place on that, like a la- great page, a great website, mm-hmm. you know, you go online and you just show support for these people, um, for the companies, for the players and little by little it shows the outside world that we're big, you know, but if Mm -hmm. we sit here and we, you know, and we're just rail birded up or we just, you know, sit in the pool halls and be like, pool's never going anywhere. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, I believe otherwise. And, you know, let's change the tune. Let's change the tune Mm -hmm. and to be like, you know, what's great about pool or, you know, look at that up and coming player, like really putting their heart and dedication and commitment and coming in here every day and practicing Instead of, you know, maybe thinking that they're not going to get anywhere. You know, let's have, let's support people. It's it's all about positivity and support. And I believe that we can accomplish a lot. Awesome.
0: Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And it's been a pleasure having you on. So we'll definitely catch up again and have you back on sometime.
6: Yeah, I would love to. And, um, you know, just as a little last thing, um, for those of you interested in the women's professional pool, we um, at the Masters will be having elections for the board of directors. And um, I myself, I'm running as a, I'm a candidate for the board, and we have um, new spots opening up, and we're just looking to, you know, to have, you know, exciting, fresh ideas. We're looking to really come together and and be unified, and maybe try and help the tour, um, you know, get back on its feet and kind of, you know. Resume to its old glory so you know we haven't gone anywhere (laughs) and i hope to report back you know soon with you know maybe some new stuff and new projects and you know maybe the the election results and you know exciting things are in the works
0: awesome well we wish you the best of luck on everything that's happening with the tour and good luck at the tournament coming up thank you so much allison and uh thank you american billiard radio Awesome. Well, I'm Allison Fisher, signing off for Pool on the Grind here on American Billiard Radio. Be sure to join us next week. Welcome to another edition of the
7: Go Play Pool app featured room of the week on American Billiard Radio. Today I'm talking to Ed Ladawi from Sandcastle Billiards in Edison, New Jersey. How are you doing, Ed?
8: Hello. How are you, Marianne?
7: I'm doing very well. Thank you. Oh, tell us a little bit about Sandcastle Billiards.
8: Well, Sandcastle was a uh, spur-of-the-moment, last-minute idea or um, decision made by myself. I was working in the IT field for the Board of Education in one of the local townships here, and I was uh, frequenting a place at that time, was called Sharky Bees, had recently moved to a new location, and they weren't doing too well, so they were actually considering closing down and going out of business. But that crew that was playing there together had much history between themselves for 35 years dating back to miseric's pool room the four seasons and the neighboring the touch in here and um they just had such great stories and everything to to tell everyone and pass on to the newer generations of players and i didn't want to see that second home die for them but um one of them just walked into the pool room now i'm at sandcastle currently and one of those original five members uh and let's say Elders of the Game is here right now um, nice. playing as well. So I wanted to preserve that old-school feel and, and pass on the, the stories and the and the knowledge to the next generation of pool players coming into Sandcastle and keeping it as a player's room. So rather than letting it die out and, and everybody not dispersing and not seeing anyone anymore,
3: right. I decided
8: to take a chance and venture off in a side business and save the pool room from closing down. And, of course, I renamed it and know that it a bit clean it up and all. But uh it I'm happy with that decision.
7: That's great. I'm I'm glad that it's uh it's turned into a success for you. That's, I'm sure all mm-hmm. your players are happy about it too. <laughs>
8: they are. Yeah. I'm dedicated to the players, so I'm very uh very blunt and harsh with uh keeping things in order. So that's something they appreciate over time. <laughs> Maybe not the yes. first time or so, but they see the overall, <laughs> overall concern is the better benefit of everyone. Everyone that for walks sure. through the door. So
7: awesome. So, oh, um, mm-hmm. how about uh, any tournaments or leagues that you guys have
8: down there? Monday nights is a straight pool league, Also, trying to bring back straight pools. Started in this area and was the uh, the game to play amongst all those players that I mentioned earlier with Miserek's era. You know, mm-hmm. Pete Miserac, Alan Hopkins, Petey Margo, Ray Martin, Tom Jennings. Um, numerous champions have played on some of the tables I have here are still from Miserac's old pool room the four seasons. And straight pool was being played, you know, throughout the world um, during that time. And uh, I want to keep that game alive. And there's been nothing but the a- utmost respectable gentlemen that are interested in playing straight pool and a wonderful league that runs on Monday nights. And that runs – we started out at 12 weeks, and now we just cut it down to six-week sessions so everyone can get involved and get paid quicker. So there's a lot more turnaround with money and winners, and it's really more exciting, and it's easier to commit to because we, we know that pit playing pool is a commitment of time regardless of just leisurely play, league play, or tournament play. So we cut it down to six weeks, two matches a night on Monday nights, and the guys absolutely love it. And they come back, and it's growing more and more each time they come back with friends. Oh, um, it is handicapped, so anyone can win it. So that's Monday nights. Tuesday nights is a handicapped nine-ball tournament, Now it has been running for the last six years and continuing now on Tuesdays. Wednesday nights and Thursday nights, I'm trying to incorporate all the players from local bars to come in. I purchased a a diamond seven foot smart table and I've got that table here for league nights, the local tap leagues, TAP. Um, it's one of the local bar leagues around here and they play here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and now they're being exposed to the, what I call the real pool world and they're exposed to greater level, higher level players, greater knowledge. And now they're picking up tips and tricks and they're coming in practicing here and there throughout the week from these better players and really, really spreading the word of the game and really enlightening them to what the true caliber of good play is so mm-hmm. that way they're not just limited to their local bar or their local bar champs. And right. now when they come in here, they see other things that I have. Now, some exactly. parts of the country have, um, you know, bar tables or seven-foot tables as a pool mm-hmm. room. Other things have all nine-foot tables. Here in the Northeast, we're still all nine-foot in, the, in in the pool rooms and right. maybe have one or two bar tables. So those two worlds never really meet in this area.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: So that's one of my goals is to bring them together so Tuesday night tournaments and Bar League going on at the same time in the same house exposes them to each other Wednesday mm-hmm. nights along with the Bar League I have I have the honor of hosting Accustats Video Productions in Sandcastle Billiards and Pat Fleming and his crew are absolutely wonderful I mean, him and I mm-hmm. hit it off we have our hearts in the right place we're aiming for the same things to bring pool back to those glory days where it once was and beyond and um on Wednesday nights AccuStats has its race to one nine-ball game show. It's all amateur play, and all the rules are broken. It's not your typical competition. This is a night that we let our hair down and goof off and have a good time and try to shark each other at the table, <laughs> maybe flashing flashlights around. Pat will intercept and get involved. Uh, you know, it's, it's a real fun thing. So if anyone's available on Wednesday night, tune in. Um, www.accu-stats.com accu-stats.com is the website for the live stream on Wednesday nights.
7: Utilizing the technology that they are, it's definitely changing the way that uh, that the game is seen and heard and and uh, everything. Oh,
8: technology absolutely! Is great. Absolutely, I mean, being able to use technology as a tool to really broadcast billiards out there, or pool, let me say, is really making it easier to to get more exposure for the industry. I, that's why the game show, yeah, it's a goof-off fun night just to show the lighter side of things so it's not so intimidating. Oh, serious right. players, serious competition, because that's, that's the outlook that the bar players have. And in, in America right now, 90%, or let me say more realistically, 70 to 80% of the people, quote-unquote, playing pool or playing in the bars, playing in casinos, playing tournaments or Vegas or mm-hmm. things like that, that they've never really stepped into the pool world as far as the pool room goes to see the professional players or know who they are even. You know, exactly. And I yeah. think that's very sad. They're not exposed to that or see what true mm-hmm. good caliber is or learn the true strategies of the game. But I'm, I have plans to uh, bring in the NAPA League, which is a league. Uh, on that note, is a good segue. Um, bringing everyone together, anyone on a professional level, all the way down to the base amateur. They have a rating system that allows all skill levels to play together with each other. I'm going to be bringing that in on Thursday nights. That's the NAPA Napa league. that's the North American Pool Shooters Association. There's people yeah. on there like Shannon Murphy. You know, they're they're huge. They're all over. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe uh Peggy Line even played on it or John Moore may have played on it. So you have some big names in there. Yeah. Um Jason Kirkwood is out there and they're all over the US and Canada and they're mm-hmm. the fastest growing league. I think they're only five, six years old themselves and they're jumping leaps and bounds because they yeah, have a doing, great design. Yeah, they're they're
7: they're, really they're doing very well for, for mm-hmm.
8: as new as they are, for sure. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just I just uh, purchased a couple territories to bring it to this area because it's not in New Jersey except South Jersey. It's about an hour and a half away from Sandcastle now. But I want to offer that to my to my players here as well. So that's going to be Thursday nights. But on Saturdays and Sundays, <laughs> I also have events where, you know, the Mez Tour, the local Mez Tour run by Jose Burgos and Mez, sponsored mm-hmm. by Mez Q's and Caroline Powell. Uh, Mika Eminem are the uh, spokespersons for MezQs USA, we host that here on the, usually on Sundays. We're holding Pro-Am events, and now, this year, we just started doing an ABCD-only amateur event where GameSpot Handicaps Races the 7, all nine ball, on Sundays. So you have something to do every day of the week. Well, that's you know, awesome. On Friday and Saturdays, so that's leisure time, and there's day passes available. You can come and play all day long from 11 a.m. opening till 6 p.m. for simply $10.00 person you can be here all day seven hours for 10 bucks so there's no excuses of bucks or economic times being rough when you're paying a dollar 40 an hour i don't want to hear it
7: all right yeah yeah you, <laughs> yeah you can't beat that yeah
8: who you are you can spend uh, five ten bucks hot. you know?
7: What other amenities do you guys offer as far as do you guys do queue repair and stuff like that?
8: I do have a pro shop on site. I had a pro shop on site, and I also have a uh, small on-the-fly emergency pro shop uh, counter now, like a cleaning tip referral. I can do that myself, or you can do it on on site here. So pro shop is available queue repair, and uh, there's a couple of menus on site here for people to bring in food. I don't mind that. Um, My goal is to get them playing pool. You'll be fed along the way. Don't worry. Definitely. When you play pool, yeah. you don't eat that much, anyhow. Eating right? Exactly. Yeah. down and put you to sleep. Exactly.
7: So. Must they'll learn dry. that
8: as well along the way.
7: <laughs> there yeah. are there's a
8: snack bar. There are snacks. There are some small yeah. foods that you nibble on here. You know,
7: get them by. You're not starving them or anything. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So um, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and where you're located.
8: Sandcastle Billiards is located at 101 Townsley Street and Route 1 South, Edison, New Jersey. You can call us at 732-632-9277. We'll be more than happy to help you out any which way we can.
7: Great, Ed. Thank you very much for, for getting on the phone with me today. And for everybody, make sure you check out the Go Play Pool app. It's free, and we'll have a limited profile for Sandcastle Billiards so you guys can get in touch with them. And uh, thanks again, Ed. Thanks for Let's joining us. I
8: myself. It is a great app. Thank you so much, Marianne. Thank great. you and Thank for you. all that you do at goplaypool.com. I appreciate it and believe me, all the players around here appreciate it, are very well person the site. And
7: Thank you. Uh, I'll Come be ahead. sure to
8: have them turn into this to this broadcast.
7: Yes, for sure. Americanbilliardsradio.com. All right. Thank, Thank you, Ed. You.
9: Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is Mark Cantrell and the Legends and Champions Report. And this week I have another guest. Um, just got back from the Derby City Classic, and that is uh, Freezer, Mr. Scott Frost. How are you doing, Scott?
10: Good, Mark. Thanks for having me.
9: No problem. Uh, I, I guess you had a, a, a fairly decent run at Derby City this, uh, this past week. What did you play in?
10: Yeah, I played in all the events except the nine ball at the end. I was uh, I was just too drained physically and emotionally and mentally. Um, I played in the banks and uh, lost a Hill Hill match to John Mora in the sixth round with no losses. And that was really deflating because I felt like I was playing real good. It came down to one ball and I made my game ball against John Mora. Uh, to win the match, and I scratched off two balls under the side pocket. He ran out from there. So I lost that match. Hill, Hill, come back and uh, drew another another tough round. And right now I'm, I'm actually drawing a blank. I can't remember who beat me, uh, knocked me out of the tournament. Um, I, it was Rob Saez. Rob Saez knocked me out of the tournament. But up to the sixth round in the banks, I was feeling uh, pretty invincible. I beat a lot of good players. And and was looking good and obviously for the all around in, in the Derby City Classic the bank pool is very important you've got to get deep in the bank pool
9: how many so, how many players are in the in the bank
10: there was three hundred and seventy wow yeah and it's a race to three so it's uh you know it's it's a gun it's a gunfight for sure
9: right. And so you played the the banks and obviously played the one I got pocket. Into
10: the, yeah, I got into the seventh round of the banks, and I don't feel like I've been more prepared mentally than, than this event this year. Um, I won the one pocket in 2010, took second in 2009. This year I took third. Um, I had a lot of tough draws. I beat John Schmidt, Darren Appleton, Louis DeMarco, Wayne Kahn from, from China, the phenom from China. Beat a lot of real good players, Francisco Bustamante, in the quarterfinals. And by the evening time when I was getting ready to play Shannon <coughs> Dalton, uh, I made a post on Facebook that, you know, my dream was coming true. I truly felt like I, I was going to beat Shannon, as he's never beat me in a big, big event under the spotlight. Well, I had my opportunities to beat Shannon, that's for sure, not discrediting him at any, at any means because he played well but I actually played pretty terrible, and I think I wanted it too bad. My ultimate goal was to have Efren Reyes and me in the finals of the biggest one-pocket tournament in the world, and they basically call the Derby City One-Pocket the World Championship because it is the biggest in the world, and and, uh, obviously they don't have an event of that size anywhere else. There was 298 players in the one-pocket. I made it to the final three, and I'm looking to play Shannon Dalton, I play Shannon Dalton, he beats me. Hill, hill, I bank a ball, slow rail, bank a ball, slow, bank a ball, long rail. And it rolls off probably about an inch to an inch and a half right at the end. And I played position on another ball to run out. And the ball rolled out that I banked, and he ended up running out. So, you know, he had me in a bad position. I had to bank at the ball. And... Kudos congrats to Shannon Dalton for for beating me. Hill Hill. It was his break. It's tough for me to get out of the break. I was drained. And I believe all sorts of things. You know, I analyze my matches after I lose. And I believe all all sorts of things played a a factor in that match. I wanted it too bad. Uh, In the back of my mind, I knew that I had a chance of beating Efren, which my record against him has been very well, as, as you know, lately. And. I think I wanted it too bad, Mark. I just uh, I, I I overtried and I was very very exhausted mentally.
9: Well, you know the thing is you 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 believe that you know in your mind that you you didn't put forth the the effort that you think you could have, or not the effort, but you did you didn't play as well as you could have. And the the thing is, even though you've got such a good record against Shannon Dalton. I mean, Chen is dangerous. He's a fantastic pocket player. You, sure. I mean, even on a good day, you know, you're not guaranteed to beat the guy.
10: Of course. Uh,
9: but that's, uh, yeah, but the, the dream was to get in the finals with old Efren.
10: Yeah, Efren, you know, Efren and I in, in the States, without a doubt, are probably the biggest draw, playing one pocket, as you well know, putting on the exhibition. And what year was that, Mark?
9: Oh, like, man, it's, it's like six or seven, it's, maybe <clears throat> seven years ago.
10: 2008, I think, Efren and I played our first match at Colby's Floor Pocket in Tempe, Arizona, and we had a sold-out crowd. The, the place was filled with people. And, and from that day forward, that was the first time I'd beaten him playing even. I, I never looked back, and I beat him every time since. And I just love playing the guy because he is the best of all time, and don't get me wrong. I don't think I'm a better player. But Nadal said something, the tennis player. Nadal. Uh, he said that when he plays his best games against Federer because Federer is so good, it just naturally brings his game up to another level. And when I play Efren Reyes, I believe that that's what happens to me. Something inside happens to me, and I, I get to that level that I know I have to be at in order to beat Efren Reyes.
9: Yeah, and you know, the thing is, how old is Efren now? You know? He's, 59. He's
10: 59.
9: 59, and the, the old guy's still got it. I mean, he's going strong. He won the the one pocket at Derby City.
10: Yeah, just a couple of years ago, he, he won the nine ball. And, and anybody his age winning nine mall because it's a physical game would be unsaid for because uh, of his age. And, 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 you know, his stature, his physical stature, he's not a big guy. You need a big break. And so me personally, I know Efren is good as anybody. Personally, I believe that Efren can still play like Efren's always played. And he proved that once again last week at Derby City Classic, winning the one pocket, and I think he finished deep in all the events. So you know uh, <laughs> the way they take care of their bodies and the way the way they were raised. I don't think that guy's done playing until he says he's done playing. Yeah. Well, you know, like you said,
9: and you know the obviously the only person who's said it, Derby City is a, a, a very mentally and physically draining events yes. a lot of times, you know, early mornings, late nights, and sometimes yeah, it just never stops. And to be able to fit that, you know, at your age, you you know, you said it yourself. It was draining.
10: Right. Like I'm, at his age. I'm, right. I'm 38 years old. And that tournament there, uh, 10 years ago, you know, I was I went to the very first event in 99. But 10 years ago, I could play in the banks, the one pocket, and the nine ball. And I could gamble at night. And I don't care who you are, you've got a couple weeks of recuperation after that. But ten years ago, I could do that. Now, and and, and all the players have recognized this, you either have to choose one or the other. You, you can go in with the mindset, okay, I'm going to gamble big, and I'm going to try and win the whole casino playing people over the week. Or I'm going to go in and try and win one of the tournaments. In the last few years, since probably 2007 or 8, I've gone in playing the tournaments, obviously for several reasons. Number one being that my gambling action is a lot tougher than it used to be. And number two, that I, I want more titles. It gains more sponsors. And, and, and in the long run, uh, having big tournament titles is probably – the best way to go now that I look at it. You know, I've made huge scores gambling, but uh, the tournaments, in my opinion, are the way to go. So this year especially, I was mentally prepared for the tournament. And I almost did what I wanted to do. But I'm I'm, I'm very happy with a third-place finish, and and as well as I played, you know, I know that I could have been at the finals with one or two little uh, things going my way. Right.
9: Well, that's – was there any – you mentioned – the, the the gambling. What, did you see any anything real big going
10: on? Well, yeah. Scooter played a guy one game, uh, a millionaire from St. Louis. He played one game on the bar table, giving the guy, I believe, the six eight, the last four and a break on a bar table. They played one game for forty grand, and then they played a bunch of games for seven or eight thousand a game, and well, that's on the bar table. Scooter was obviously getting staked, and when it was all said and done, Scooter lost seventy three thousand of somebody's money. Um, but there was, a, there was a lot of action going on, but like I said, when when I'm focused on a tournament, I'm going to play from, I get up at 8 in the morning, my first match is at 10 a.m., and my last match is 11.30 at night, so I'm out of the tournament room by about 1 in the morning. I get four or five hours of sleep, get back up at 8 and do it again. So I really don't have time to go up to the gambling room and sit and hang out and watch. And on top of that, it takes away from some of my focus. Uh, it, it gets pretty wild up there at times. I did get a chance to gamble this year, Mark, but uh, the reason being is because of the one pocket took so much out of me uh, that late at night. Uh, I accidentally forfeited my nine-ball match, and I wasn't in the, on the winner's side. So I decided, well, I, I can't carry this on any further. I got some good rest that night, and the next day I played a guy from Dallas, and his name is Forrest. I gave Forrest 10 to six. I can guess he plays pretty close to Billy and Cardona's speed. We played a 1,000 a game, and I beat him, I think, five or six in a row. So that did work out for me there. Uh, other than that, I didn't do any gambling.
9: And the, like, like you would said as well, uh, you get to uh, a certain level, and I know I've heard it from other players. Uh, somebody's always you know, Wolfen trying to match up with you. And I'm talking about Derby City. I'm, you know, I'm talking about when I've gone and done these tours and things like that. And there's somebody who always seems like they want to match up and play. But the game they won is that they, they, it puts you in a spot where it's just about impossible for you to win.
10: Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many things going against you uh, now at my level or another uh, top player's level, it, it, you know, physically, mentally, and, the, and then the actual game itself, and, and that's where the physical and mental comes into. Once, once you accept the game that somebody offers you, it's usually going to be your back's up against the wall. So by the time you're done playing that game, you're probably going to have empty pockets, and you're not going to be able to add two plus two. You're 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 just completely done and drained. So it's not worth it, in my opinion, anymore. And, and, and I don't do it, and I don't see a lot of top players doing it. Just because of the physical standpoint, it, it will kill you. Right.
9: Well, you uh, what were you given, man? Uh, you and Dippy Dave, well, uh, a year or so ago, I don't know. Do you see what you yeah. did, Dippy Dave?
10: It, it, it's been over two years, actually. It seems like it was just yesterday. But uh, yeah. he tried to play several players, or he actually did play and beat several players at a game, a pretty crazy game, 17-4 to 4 and 18-4, to 4, playing one pocket. Alex Fagularian tried it, Gabe and Corey Duel. Um, I believe Efren tried it once. None of them liked it, and I knew that I was up against the nuts. I, I had it. I had way the worst of it. But I got the troops together, Billy and Cardone, and a couple other guys, and we decided to take one shot from fifty thousand, playing ten ahead, giving him eighteen to four. That's the only way he would play me. And we knew if I happened to win that set, that he would fire back. We were prepared to lose fifty thousand. And if, if he fired back, we knew that we were going to have to double the bet. And sure enough, I beat him the first set in like three hours, 10 ahead, 18 to 4. We win the set for 50000 and before I could put my cue away, he said, bet $100,000. Well, we were already prepared for that. I didn't even have to look at Billy and Cardone. And I said, bet. So uh, we were off to the races. And in the first day, which was, I think, probably a total of 12 hours, I won the first set in about three hours, and the second set we played ten ahead. I won it about eight hours or nine hours, and uh, we were up 150,000 after the first day. And from there, we were off and running. We had the momentum. I had confidence, and I'd never, play, never played better pool in my life, you know. So right. we, we 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 made a big, big score. I, I'd rather not say it, you know, over, over the radio waves, but <laughs> it, it was life-changing for me.
9: Right. Um, well,
10: to to move on, do you, uh, do you practice? (laughs) Well, do I practice? Any, anybody in my area will know that I don't practice enough and I'm the first to admit I don't practice enough. And I think one of the things that hurts me when I go to practice is boredom. I, I, I can't find the drive or, or the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak, when I'm, when I'm practicing, uh, I'll hit balls for 10 or 15 minutes if I feel like it. When I start feeling bad, like, man, this isn't doing any good, this is boring, I'll unscrew and I'll quit. The reason being is I don't want to develop bad habits. My biggest, my biggest deal practicing is mental. Uh, I, I can sit in the house and get more prepared for situations that's going to happen to me. And that's what I meant by this year at Derby. I, I was mentally prepared for anything that came my way. And... The people in Tempe and Coley's Corner Pocket, which I live a mile from, know that I never play. You know, so I didn't go into Derby hitting a thousand balls and playing for a thousand hours. It did not happen, and uh, I'm not making excuses like I'm some some type of alien that just is unbelievable and plays great because that's not the case. I believe that if I would have hit a little bit a little bit of balls before I went to Derby, that I might have even been more prepared. But. It's very hard for me to practice when I'm playing $50,000, $200,000 sets, and then I go into a pool room and somebody wants to play me for $5. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of pros and cons to that. So the, the big sets were great. I bought a lot of nice things and had a lot of nice things put away, but as far as my future to the game, it, it hurt me in a lot of ways. That's the cons.
9: I can't remember how long ago it was. I think my timing goes off uh, the, the older I get. But uh, th- maybe a few months ago, you'd uh, announced you re- you were going to retire. Okay. And w- what brought you to that conclusion that you decided, you know, being still young, s- still, you know, the Top of your game, uh, you know. Nobody wants to necessarily play you anything, especially one pocket. But what what led you to say, you know, I'm just going to go work at the casino?
10: Well, I mean, uh, that that takes me back to kind of a a softer emotional time because I was struggling with the battle of of having a normal. I could have gotten a job that paid eighty to a hundred thousand a year having the battle of not knowing when you're going to make your next rent or not knowing if you can pay this bill this month, Uh, getting online, trying to make a game, and having people ask for ridiculous spots, it's all built up over the years. Uh, I have to say that promoters, pool promoters, tours, the IPT, the Camel Tour, um, and let's say Bonus Ball, even though Bonus Ball is back, and 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 they are doing everything they can for us, and we've got the playoffs coming up, the fifth through the fifteenth. I was going through a hard time with that also. I mean, my team was number one in the WPBL, the <coughs> Professional Billiard League, and that's bonus ball. Um, but they were struggling. They didn't know if they were going to be able to find the funds to carry us through. And and I've had my heart broken the Camel Tour, the IPT, and several other sanctioned uh, tours. And. It, it gets really aggravating, you know. There's not a day. Well, it, it's not happening as much recently, but there there hasn't been days where I wake up and and don't think, man, what if I would have chose the career of basketball or baseball, which I have two scholarships for. It, it, it's, it's hard. It's it's hard mentally. Yeah, I had a scholarship for uh, for Drake in both baseball, Drake University, which is actually a, a high high end private university in, in Des Moines, Iowa. And, you know, not to say that that was going to take me anywhere. But, but it's, it, that's where you
9: got to start, though, really, isn't it? Right,
10: right. And the the mental struggle is, is is what's very tough. And the day that I said I was retiring, obviously, I was probably, you know, I was probably fed up with it. I probably had enough. And in my mind, I was already going to school. I was in school for, for dealing cards. And I had a good inn at the top the casino here to get the job. So in my mind, I was done, and believe it or not, when I released that, there was a load of pressure off my off my shoulders. And uh, sure enough, about a month later, all these things started coming towards me. And one of them is is life changing, and I can't really speak about it. But there 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 will be something coming on TV soon, and I am the main cast, and that's all I can speak about that for legal reasons. Uh, but other than that, you know, my sponsor came to me and offered me a better deal, and then another sponsor offered me a better deal. And all these things were pointing in the right direction saying, man, you're only 37 years old. I mean, I know I haven't lost my game. Go ahead and stick it out and fight a few more years and, and, and see where we're at in, in five years. So I went ahead and, uh, and quit the poker school and talked to the guy that was going to give me the job, and he completely understood. And I, I did a 360, and and here I am. I'm in the semifinals of the Derby City in One Pocket. I've got my sponsors. I've got the biggest thing that's ever probably happened. to pool that's going to happen with within this year for sure. We've been working on it five years, and I haven't been a speak, been able been able to speak to anybody about it for legal reasons, which is killing me. But uh, <laughs> and
9: uh, I think I know what you're talking about, and you know a lot of rumors fly, fly around. Yeah. So I like that
10: I, I can't speak about I can't touch on that anymore than I already have. But you know, I'm in a good position right now and I'm I'm getting calls daily about doing things. I've got I've got QB custom cues. They're building me a twenty thousand dollar queue right now. They are my main queue sponsor. If anybody gets a chance, check it out. QB dot com. Top top custom queue maker. He's out of Saint Louis. And then, you know, I've got Colby's Corner Pocket, who's always been behind me. Uh, I got a new sponsor in, in Derby, King of Vapors, the Vapor Cigarette. And now, as of right now, I'm trying to quit smoking. So a, a lot of good things have come my direction. And, uh, and and hey, um, I'm getting ready to drive to Las Vegas Friday. I'm, I'm hired to do the commentary for bonus ball, and then my team is in the top two of their division, and we play. We play
9: the ninth of this month. when t- tell me uh, a little bit more about the uh, vapor cigarettes, because if you you know what I think that will make a lot of pool players' games better. You know, with the way the laws are, depending on where you are in the in the country, right? You can't smoke. So, and smoking to me, you know, I know it's bad for me, and I should quit as well. But it's one of those things that just Maybe just gives you something to do, takes the edge off a little bit. It's uh, probably more of a, ha- a habit than an addiction in some cases. And if you could, you didn't. If you were playing in a match and you didn't have to leave the match right. to go smoke, yeah. or in your mind you're playing and you're going, man, I really need to have a break, and I, and, and that's all going to be part of you. Whether you would like it or you don't, or you accept it or realize it, I think that's going to be a part of the psyche where, in the back of your mind, you're not thinking about what's my next shot. Maybe you're thinking, God, I need a break. I need to go smoke. Right. If you you can sit in your chair whilst the other guys at the table and puff on a uh, vapor cigarette and it works (laughs) for you, then I think it might be a, a huge advantage to a lot of players.
10: Well, I agree. I agree completely. I actually played the semifinals and the quarterfinals, and I had the vapor cigarette sitting right next to me. Obviously, on camera, I didn't necessarily want to go ahead and poke on that, but I did several times when they weren't watching that I believed. And, man, it, like you said, mentally and physically, it's, it's a relief to know that I can just reach about a foot away, grab something, and go through the same routine I would be going through if I were to smoke a cigarette. Therefore, except, that, that Except You them. don't have
9: to leave the casino and go right outside. Exactly.
10: I mean, it's a foot away. So right. therefore, the mental part of thinking, "Well, man, I, I need to take a break, go outside, smoke, light a cigarette, smoke it, throw it away, then walk all the way back in." Well, that cuts all that out. So now it's a it's an arm length from you, and jeez, I mean, it, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful, and I think you know, let, let's be honest. Probably sixty percent of the pool players smoke cigarettes. Right. So I think that it's a great thing for for pool players. I think it's a great thing for pool players.
9: I think it, I think it's, I think there's a double whammy there, Scott. To be honest with you, one the focus on your game, and two, if everybody should quit smoking, I you know I'm I really be the one saying, you know, because I, I smoke too. Right. But I know I shouldn't. I know that it's not good for me. And right. everybody else who smokes also knows this. Absolutely. And so if you get a double whammy, you get more uh, concentration when you're playing your pool game. I'm talking about maybe just about pool players. And you're also doing something good for yourself. So it's, I, uh, I agree. I, 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 I think it's a great thing. And I'm glad that somebody like that from outside of the industry is coming in. You know, Yeah, to do something.
10: It's, it's nice. And the guy's name is Chad. And if anybody's interested in going to it, it's www.kingsofvaporohio.com. www.kingsofvaporohio.com. And, you know, if you mention my name, I'm sure you, you might be able to get a real good price on a vapor cigarette. And they're top quality. They last you forever. You can charge them. He makes the oils himself. I'll tell you what, you can't really go wrong with, with giving it a try. Right. at least giving it a try. They ship Right. They ship things out to you and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. so he will ship everything direct to your direct to your house. Okay, well that's uh, good information now. Tell me one more time the name of your Q sponsor. It's QB. Q B. Q is in um I don't know, Q is in Q. Like
3: <laughs> Quebec. Q.
10: Yeah, like quarterback or quarter,
3: and there then B is
10: in Billy. QB Custom Cues dot com, and uh, the owner of that is Cueball Ken Simon, and they do some great work. You can go to the website. There's a video of me, a little instructional. There's some cues that I've used and played with. I do have a series of cues there on the website called the Ice Pick, and I believe we've only got two left. They sell for a thousand dollars a piece. They have. They're, they're solid silver and solid ivory cues. They're actually a high-end, high-quality queue. They're about a twenty-five hundred dollar queue. They sell for a thousand apiece. We didn't want to promote them too big because they would have gone out right away. We're trying to sell them to people that we know and like and will appreciate the queue. Right.
9: And uh, what I guess one maybe one last uh, thing is the your your Power One Pocket DVD must have gone well, Uh, the first one that you did with, uh, I think you did it with Beth Lenny. That's right. And I guess you you did so well, you've got another one, or you got requests to cover some other different topics.
10: Right. Yes, Power One Pocket was uh, a lot of work, and we decided that we were going to go ahead and do Power One Pocket Two because of the, well... We we have got a demand put it that way, and I didn't believe the demand was going to be as big as it is. You know, we we did very very well, and then from what I've told, been told by AccuStats and a bunch of distributors, is by far the best one pocket DVD ever made. And we try to do everything the right way the first time, and I believe that's why. Well, we're going to work with Power One Pocket too. Uh, Neil Sahan, Darren Appleton, there's there's players that are getting this DVD overseas, because in America right now, I don't care what pool room you go into, one pocket is the game they're gambling at, one pocket is the game they're playing, and one pocket is the game they're matching up at, because you can do it until you're 90 years old. It's a young, middle-aged, and old person's game, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's the biggest growing game in the country. So we have a huge demand for Power One Pocket 2. Like I said, it's a lot of work. And within the next month is our goal to get that out. And you can find that at ontherailtv.com. And I do have a website, Mark. It's called scottfrostpool.com.
9: Okay. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this up. I know you've got a lot of things to do, and I, and I appreciate your time. But what I'd like to do, just one final thing. I started doing this, uh, uh, like a quick fire question, uh know, challenge, call that challenge. And what it does, it gives – you know, the listeners, a chance to learn just a little bit more in a fun way about people within the industry and pro pool players. So, if you don't mind, if I can ask you these 15 questions, and you answer them as fast as you can, as best you can. You got it. Okay, so question number one. What's your favorite pastime, other than pool? Fishing. What's your favorite drink?
10: Pineapple juice.
9: All-time favorite song?
10: Guns N' Roses, several of them.
9: All-time favorite band or singer?
10: Elton John.
9: Hold on, I'm going to have to pause this a second. Scott? Yep. I I love Elton John. Yeah? I I, I think Elton John's a genius. He's one of those fellas that, you know, has done a lot of things consistently. There's only so many notes. They consistently made great songs over a period of time. But looking at you, Elton John would be the last thing I'd say you would...
10: I know, I know. That's what people say.
9: <laughs> All right, I'll leave it Leave that one at that. Uh, you see, what's your favorite restaurant? Italian. What would your last meal be? Pizza. Mox's Albury's. Excuse me? (laughs) Boxers or briefs? Boxers. Cats or dogs? Dogs. What's your favorite movie?
10: Godfather.
9: Who's your favorite actor?
10: Oh, boy. Jeez. Uh, Robert De Niro.
9: Mickelson or Tiger? Mickelson. What's your lucky number? Seven. What's your favorite TV show? Cops. If you could go on vacation anywhere in the world, where would it be?
10: Tahiti. What's your favorite car? Lamborghini.
9: And the last one is, if you could swap places with anyone in the world... Alive or dead, who would it be Jay for one day?
10: Jay-Z. Because he's, because he's got Beyonce.
9: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Scott, listen, I really appreciate your time, and I wish you good luck in everything you do in the future. And, uh, you know, hopefully you uh, stick around, stay on top of your game for uh, many more years. So a lot of Thanks. people appreciate having you around.
10: Thanks, Mark, and uh, I hope somebody or everybody can take at least a little something from this uh, interview. I appreciate it.